analysis. It's, oh, I'm going. I'm live. I'm live, family. What's up? Melanated family. We back. Another Thursday. Me and my sister, Sonia Williams-Lewis. I didn't see I was live there. Y'all uh, caught me off guard there. You know what I mean? But back with my sister, another Thursday. Last show in Black History Month. Happy to yeah. be with you guys today. This is your brother Harrison, the Melanated Combo Podcast, Thursday edition, where I sit down with my sister, Sonia Williams-Lewis, and we talk about you know, what's going on in the black community, not necessarily on the gossip side of things, but on the, you know, community advocacy, What what's going on yeah. in the community, what's going on, how our politics have uh, affected us, how our, how we act in the public, how people treat us. We go over all the different news stories pertaining to black people <laughs> and we enjoy it. You know what I mean? And, and, and everything is worth a conversation. I know my people are in the process of waking up I really do feel that Black History Month aside, I know a lot of people who are finding interest in our struggle, in our movements, and all of this is going to lend itself to us accomplishing our goals. Because as much as we talk about people outside of the community, I don't think they're actually going to help us a lot. I think right. it's going to get changed by, you know, people like me and Sonia and you out there. Who say, you know what? I'm tired of this, whether it be in my kid's school, whether it be in local politics, whether it be in how I treat my brother. All of these things are important. So happy to be back for another Thursday. My sister Sonia Williams Lewis, the creator of Ascribe Educational Consulting, right? To me, yes, one yes. of the most valuable types of business structures in our economy today. Like, I don't know too many things that are more needed. So everybody, welcome to the show, my sister Sonia. How you doing, Sonia? I'm always excited. You know this, and I'm just like, we have so many things that that February one is not enough of time to even mm -hmm. ever um, consider Black history to fit into. And mm -hmm. so I just challenge people that this is a 365 day journey. Mm -hmm. It is seven days a week, 24 yep. hours a day, and mm -hmm. I say that because. You and I and the rest of us who are highly melanated people, we can't take this skin off. It's not a mask. Mm -hmm. And because we live in a society that has vilified, demonized, and criminalized Black skin, we have to recognize that this is the game that's being played mm -hmm. and be very hyper-vigilant around what it means to celebrate Black. Today, I'm wearing my shirt that says, to be pro-Black doesn't mean that I'm anti-white. And like, there let that resonate in your soul because being pro-black mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I'm taking anything away from the white man. It doesn't mean that we have to operate from a deficit perspective. It just means that we are centering and being proactive about the very people who have been most marginalized in this country. So yes, as we end Black History Month, that's what we need to focus on. That's what we need to focus on. And, you know, don't don't um don't be ashamed, black folks, to represent your blackness. Don't let people that pigeonhole part. you and make you feel like you complaining because you talk about black history. You complaining because you talk about the atrocities that have happened to your people. Frankly, I think one of the biggest problems we have, because it's not about the talking about it part. Like people don't realize right. like anything, any type of indoctrination, any type of program you're studying any type of philosophy you're studying once you get to a certain point it begins to do something to you 
and you read and you research and you look and something you will say, you know what? Let me see what I can do. Let me let right? me start right here. And this can be picking up. I always say this can be picking up trash around your neighborhood. This can be mentoring the young kids in your neighborhood. This can be stop selling dope. This can Absolutely. be treating women in your better. Like don't go away to the Malcolm sphere. Like everybody not been represented in that form. Yours can just right. be you gonna start being nice to black folks. Shit. <laughs> Let's start there. How you know bad what I mean? So, that possibly be? <laughs> how bad can that possibly be? Because again, the, the atrocities that we face, all these different political forms, everything that happens to us, these things matter. But how we treat each other, what we do in our neighborhoods, everything matters. That's what I'm learning. So you ain't you can't yeah. take nothing off the table. Everything is a part of getting us where we're at today. So we need to realize that. So if you listen to this on one of the digital platforms, please like, subscribe, keep watching, leave a uh, uh, um, um, leave a comment if you would. If you're watching on one of the digital platforms like YouTube or Facebook, share it to your friends. Share, share, share. As you see this shirt I got on right now, this is just a mock version of the shirts that I'm currently making. In the next few weeks, me and Sonia will have uh, Melanated Combo Podcast shirts. We'll have some other designs that I'm creating. You know what I mean? Let's let's support the family, man. Don't be afraid yeah. because you're going to wear Gucci on your chest. Come on now. You're going to feel pride in wearing Gucci and wearing Prada. And I'm not one of those black folks that say take that off. Right. I'm just saying shit. Buy this too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go ahead and have. Absolutely. Uh, I have now. that conversation with one of my best girlfriends from college all the time. She mm. um, She's like, well, you know, when I want to splurge, when I feel like I've made an accomplishment to, you know, of this in my career, I gravitate towards buying something from Louis. And it's mm. like, girl, the, you earned it. And why are See? we shaming ourselves for? See the, yeah. See the different perspective? Because if I am buying Louis because I don't feel worth anything. Right. If, if I haven't spent the time to work on myself and when you work on yourself, to me, that's when certain other accomplishment com uh, accomplishments come. If right. I haven't taken the time to work on myself, then, yeah, the Jordans is my house. Right. The Jordans is my degree from medical school. It is my hard work. See, that mentality can put you in a negative space financially and mentally. But Absolutely. what you just said is a way to contextualize it. If I'm working hard and doing everything I can, and, and, and for me to, to make myself feel better, to feel like I'm accomplishing something, to treat myself, I'm going to go buy X, Y, Z. Right. Shit, that's your money. You earned it. But if you're there yeah. every week, we may have a problem. We might have a problem. And I mean, <laughs> along in that conversation, along that vein, we always are talking about ways that we are lifting up our community. Like it's super important, even though she might go and shop at a Louis and I might go in and, and give me a, a Gucci belt or something. I still, we both are very cognizant of we need to shop black. And yep. shopping black and what does that look like? And how mm -hmm. do we keep the dollars circulated in our community? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, there are certain communities that have a lock on that game. Like the dollar circulates in their community months before it yeah. leaves their community. For black yep. folks, the, our dollar circulates in our community less than 12 hours. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of just the your mentality. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to tell somebody who's rich 
come dump all your money back into our community. Right. Come give me all. That's not the philosophy. See, if you care, you'll figure out a way. You ain't got to. Yeah. Like this whole come back to the hood thing. I'm not telling you go live on the grimiest block you grew up in. And you have something in that type of right. environment. That's actually not safe. Right. <laughs> right. But I can live somewhere else and come back and participate. Just care. Absolutely. See, and like you used to mention, Sonia, just you being in a position where you say, you know what? Everything I've been through in that community, I'm leaving this motherfucker and I'm out. But you come back and say, you know, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Ain't nothing changed? Ain't nothing changed? You mean that pothole's still there? Right. You mean Miss Johnson's still living at, okay, so things aren't happening fast enough. And now I got right. some insight. I got some different worldly views. I can help out. So let's Absolutely. get into it, family. Today, yeah. biggest thing we're going to talk about is the FBI has been... Uh, found again in, in involving themselves in black affairs in Denver, where the FBI commissioned some informant to infiltrate some Black Lives Matter protests in Denver. We're going to get into that because that's never stopped happening, but I'm happy we can highlight times that it does so you guys can be aware yeah. of it. That'll be what we talk about at the end. And of course, we'll have some black facts, man. This is Black History Month. You know what I mean? So we can do that. And I'm before this, you guys, anybody who don't know, this is a long road for me. Before sitting here talking, my first endeavor in this forum was creating a website where I talked about black history. I wrote articles about men that I interviewed and I had a whole history matter section. The oh. server crashed. So it was, it was like a hundred something articles I wrote today and they all went to hell. But oh, no. I remember the people, right? Right. And I was like, oh my God. But I was like, you know what? This is the, this is the test and the challenge. I'm gonna keep on going. But I remember the people, I remember the articles. I have them all saved. So today we're going to talk about a couple different individuals from our history yeah. just to give y'all some game. And of course, we got news stories, family. We got things that go on in the news. It's not all the time about the story and the individuals involved, but the principles behind it, the, yeah. the perspective behind what's being said is always something we could talk about, right? So first thing I want to talk about today, Don Lemon, Sonia Now, a clip resurfaced from Don Lemon several years ago. So let's make that clear. This is like from 2012 or something, and I know how the internet work so i'm not condemning this brother for something he said hella years ago but okay. he came up with a little philosophy on how to uh fix the black community you know what i mean so sonia we're gonna listen to his uh antidotes for fixing our community and then we're gonna dissect you know how 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 mean? viable how viable are these things because what i have a problem with i'm getting to the point where these black people who speak to me on tv i don't know any of them yeah. so some of them and i gotta admit i gotta put don lemon on this list before I click play, I don't know about him. Like, I don't know yeah. where he stands. You know, he hasn't been clearly standing on our side. So when I hear him talk, I don't yeah. know if it's a love conversation or a hate conversation. I always right, say that. Right, right. If you condemn us it with love and you black, let's have that combo. But if it's for political reasons, po political gain, or to benefit you personally, or just to get views, I'm not rocking with that. So let's take a moment Absolutely. and listen to what Don Lemon thinks. Here we go, yeah. Hold on. Because black people, if you really want to fix the problem, here's just five things that you should think about doing. Here's number five. And if, if, if this doesn't apply to you, if you're not doing this, then it doesn't apply to you. I'm not talking about you. Here's number five. Pull up your pants. Walking around with your ass and your underwear showing is not okay. In fact, it comes from prison when they take away belts from the prisoner so that they can't make a weapon. And then it evolved into which role a prisoner would have during male-on-male -male prison sex. 
The one with the really low pants is a submissive one. You get my point? Number four now is the N-word. By promoting the use of that word when it's not germane to the conversation, have you ever considered that you may just be perpetuating the stereotype the master intended, acting like a nigger? Now number three, respect where you live. Start small by not dropping trash, littering in your own communities. I've lived in several predominantly white neighborhoods in my life. I rarely, if ever, witness people littering. I live in Harlem now. It's an historically black neighborhood. Every single day I see adults and children dropping their trash on the ground when a garbage can is just feet away. Just being honest here. Number two, finish school. You want to break the cycle of poverty? Stop telling kids are acting white because they go to school or they speak proper English. A high school dropout makes on average $19,000 a year. A high, a high school graduate makes $28,000 a year. A college graduate makes $51,000 a year. Over the course of a career, a college grad will make nearly a million dollars more than a high school graduate. That's a lot of money. And number one, and probably the most important, just because you can have a baby, it doesn't mean you should, especially without planning for one or getting married first. More than 72% of children in the African-American community are born out of wedlock. That means absent fathers. And the studies show that lack of a male role model is an express train right to prison. And the cycle continues. Hold on. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. My computer. Hold on. Damn it, Harrison. All right, there we go. There we go. So, Sonia, that's a lot to unpack right there. Woo, so we see the brother woo, Don woo. Lemon. <laughs> we see the brother Don Lemon in, in expressing those facts. So, for one, when we look at like, um, because okay, some of those antidotes, you know, pulling your pants. Well, let's go one by one. Shit, let's just break it yeah. down real quick. So let's yeah. like a ten minute segment and break this shit down. Pulling your pants up, Sonia. How effective is this in fighting white supremacy? If I have on a suit, but my skin is black, does that mean I won't get pulled over? Does that nope. mean I'll get that loan? Nope. Okay. So, because slaves, we're going to break down each point just to give you guys some context. Slaves were hung in suits. Yes. Right? So, how you dress, how you speak, to me, if a person is racist, if they have a particular feeling about people that look like me, they're just waiting for an excuse. How I dress <laughs> won't really have anything to do with that. So that's one. Another one. If if we, he just mentioned saying the N-word. I personally say the word nigga. I know a lot of black people who don't. I don't have a problem with you if you don't. I think... um Context is everything. My Absolutely. children, young people, if you're around adults, you're going to speak a particular way. I do business seven days a week. My own businesses. I'm not walking in the room. I'm not going to do a notary with a customer in a white household, a Mexican right. household, a black household. I'm not going in there and say, what's up, my nigga? Right. It's, it's inappropriate for the moment. People can have their opinions on how that word influences us i think 
personally, if I spoke perfect English, there's going to be black people or people in general that don't feel a way about me. If you don't use the N word and use clean English, I don't have a problem with it. Like I don't hang my hat on that as being one of our antidotes. How, how do you feel about that? Told you. Oh. I, I just, I'm, um, Don Lemon is one of those people who, in my opinion, is extremely anti-black mm. and we as black folks can perpetuate the norms of whiteness because we've been conditioned to identify what success looks like. Mm. And when I think about pulling up one's pants, I'm always going to ask the question, is that going to prevent me from dying today? Is mm. that going to stop my kids from being pulled over and I'm being harassed by the cops? Is that mm. going to stop a person in a position of power at their schools from harassing them or punishing them in a different way than their white peers or their Asian peers or their Latinx peers, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm asking those kind of questions. And if it is a matter of um, respecting oneself, let's have that conversation. Let's have the conversation about resources. Because if a child is coming, for example, from a household that is experiencing poverty, you better be lucky they got pants on. Hmm. And if I can af only afford to make sure that the pants, the shoes, the shirt is on their back, and I might not have an extra $10 for a belt, hmm. right? And I'm, I'm yep. just being general in, in my um, quantification of what the cost might be, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm making sure that they got pants, a shirt, and some shoes on. They might not have socks on either, right? Yep. They might have That's a limited true. amount of underwear to wear underneath. The the extra things might not be a priority. Mm -hmm. So we can, we need to have that conversation. I am one of those people in the black community who I didn't grow up in a household where the N word was heavily used. So I defaulted to modeling what my parents did. And I, I don't use it on a regular basis, but I will tell you my best friend who we are both very highly college educated uses the N-word a lot. <laughs> I just had a conversation with her today. She's in New York. And I think it's a matter of culture. I think it's a matter of what hood you grew up in. Come on and now. even though I grew up in Oakland and in Meadowview and in Compton, I still, because it wasn't something that was used highly in my home, I, mm -hmm. I, I default to not making it a habit. Mm-hmm. When I am with my girlfriends who do or with family members who do, yeah, it might be a word that slips out here and there. I mm -hmm. probably can count on, on two hands how many times a year it comes across <laughs> my lips. However, I'm not going to condemn my brothers and sisters for using a word that, in my opinion, has now become cultural colloquialism. Mm. We have to be very, like, sure about what we're saying and how we're saying like you said it's the context of yes i don't personally I, I, and and these same individuals that use the n-word in in my community in my family like you don't go into business meetings we know how to code switch we are masters of that yeah our slave ancestors knew how to bow their head in front of master 
Mm-hmm. And when they got back to the slave quarters, they knew how to be like, I want to fuck master up because he did X, Y, and Z today. You, yep. you believe the master's son, who's only six years old, said that I deserve a whooping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of thing. So we've mastered how to code switch. Yeah. I, I, I stand very firm on my observation of Don Lemon in him being very, he, he bastardizes black culture in a negative way that oftentimes gives white folks permission to say only if you did this or it it, it gives them permission to make the excuse or or um justify how they treat us Mm -hmm. and i say that's some bullshit and if don is gonna die on that hill he's gonna die on that hill with very few of us because at the end of the day we got work to do and it's not about how we show up and if our pants are sagging, I, I understand, you know, um, prison culture. Mm-hmm. And yes, that, that is very much a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not talking at, at the end of the day. We really are not talking about prison culture. No. We are talking about, in my opinion, poverty. And we're talking are- about poverty. And everybody right now who joining the show, we're talking about Don Lemon made some comments a few years ago, 2013, about the five things that can fix the black community. He spoke about us pulling our pants up. He spoke about us stop having the kids out of wedlock. He spoke about us stop saying the N-word. He spoke about us uh, 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 cleaning up our neighborhood, all these different things. But as Sonia just mentioned, if a black man or woman comes to me and they're expressing an inside conversation, meaning... We're not going to talk about no white folks at all. What can we do to make things better? What can we do to improve our families? We're going to talk about some of the things Don Lemon mentioned in a different way. But here's the thing about political pundits and men on TV, like I mentioned to Sonia. Quite frankly, I don't trust these motherfuckers. Your agenda isn't pure, so I can't trust your words. Because if you're going to say fix the black community and you're going to mention five things that's involving just black folks... We already not seeing eye to eye because our problems are systematic. Everybody listening to me, poor people, poor white people, poor Irish people, poor German people. When people came here and they were poor, the government gave them a leg up. Everybody didn't work as hard as you think, fam. I'm sorry. I know. And look, shit. I know white people today that's living in the house or got access to a house that was given to somebody in World War II or World War I when the GI bills was not going to black people. The shit we were shut out of still affects us to, to, uh, to today. I'm sorry Absolutely. that's the fact. I don't want to, people always talking about complaining and we complaining about something. I'm not complaining about shit. A lot of my ancestors didn't own homes because they didn't see it as a possibility, man. Right. You see what I'm saying, Sonia? Right. So this is disingenuous at its best, but we're going to break it down. So, Sonia, we talk about single motherhood, right? This is a hot topic in our community. We know that because some of these is American problems. Like, let's okay. just take black out of there. Any human <laughs> in America who has a baby at 17, if you don't come from money, there's going to be a strong financial burden. Yes, And then there's going to be a maturity gap that happens whether you have money or not. Yes. But if you're black and you come from downtrodden environments where there's no hope and it's despair and you're criminalized, well, yeah, maybe I'm going to have a little man, man. And and, and see, this is the thing. 
I'm defending my people because fuck what Don Lemon talking about. Right. I talk to my people about, hey, let's figure out how we going to have these babies differently. Let's, But that's in love. Fuck what he talking about. That's not a love conversation, Sonia. No, it's not a love conversation. And and I oftentimes say that we have to, again, these are poverty issues. So while the numbers might be high for black people when it comes to unwed pregnancies, other communities have access to medical care that's going to prevent them from having pregnancy, right? So if we're going to talk about um, equity and, and making sure the playing field is even, then make sure that every little black girl has an opportunity to go to an OBGYN when she gets her period, mm -hmm. that she understands the ramifications of having sex. I can remember not having um, the sex talk in a very um, detailed manner where I, I didn't feel confident that if I had sex with this boy, that this wouldn't happen. All I knew is that my mama said, you come home pregnant, you're going to be homeless. So to me, it was like, I'm going to hold on to my virginity for as long as possible. With that being said, that still didn't prevent me from potentially becoming a single parent because I still could have been raped by anyone in this in, the, in our community, black, white, or other, right? We hear about stories all the time of women having to go and have abortions because they were violently attacked. Mm -hmm out of community and in community. So relationships always don't protect us. Mm -hmm. We have to be very um, um, hyper vigilant about these conversations because at the end of the day, whether or not I have an opportunity to protect my womb, which isn't a man's, in my, I, I might ruffle some, some feathers. <laughs> my womb, my 17-year-old granddaughter told me when Roe v. Wade was being um, overturned last year, she said there should not, a man shouldn't even be having this conversation. And the only people should, who should be able to vote on this topic are women. My 17-year-old granddaughter, That's who deep. was 16 at the time, mm -hmm. made that statement. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't have all the facts, right? She's not a lawyer. She's not a judge. But in her mind, it was like, this is a woman's body issue. Mm -hmm. So why are you Don Lemon, one who does not have the experience of having a period, you cannot carry a baby, and you probably have not, you, he doesn't have children, not mm -hmm. married. Mm -hmm. You have no qualifications to have this conversation. Doesn't like, like women, which I don't mind, but it's a part of, it's, it's, we have, we have to include that. So he's. Right. He's he's he, he's completely speaking from ignorance, and yeah, there's some truth to people should put themselves in the best position possible right. to have children. People should, and I'm black, so I'm gonna say yeah, my people should. But the fatherlessness in the home, this is a cycle that's been created. Created. <laughs> Come on, single parent home from the slave plantation. It was created just like plantation. And yes, some of this shit that go on in our community is on autopilot now. You don't it's have to. You don't genetics have... is part of our DNA. Come on now. We watch grandma go through this. We watch grandma have baby daddy number three mm -hmm. because the, the government system said that you couldn't have daddy in the house. Mm -hmm. oh, all of these things try go back to, and these are, I, I don't want to also, I don't want to sugarcoat it in a way that erases the fact that these are maybe not the most responsible or ideal situations to have children, mm -hmm. but people fall in love and think that, you know, they, this is going to be forever.
I don't know. Uh, I don't know too many people who, who too many women who say, oh, let me give of myself to this man and hope to have a baby with this man. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they're going to leave me. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's the way people think. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if that's the case, if women are not thinking from that perspective and the goal is to have longevity in relationship and hope that it works out and hope that the father of this child, I don't like the term baby daddy and baby mama, but you know, hope that the father of this child, likewise, the mother of this child is responsible and stays on the scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know too many mamas and daddies who's like, I just went into this willy nilly and if it happens. And on the flip side of that, I also want to say that there's no perfect situation to have children. Like I hear people, you know, I hear successful career women all the time be like, it's not, I can't have a child now. I'll be like, girl, you're going to get too old. And then eggs gonna- <laughs> you're going to, you're going to have to just, just do it. And, you know, and being in a career and putting yourself in a certain position, that's a part of it. Cause this, yeah. this is about money. So again, Don Lemon is just taking the wrong approach. We don't trust you, bro. So right. how you come at us, you, you, you on the opposite side of things in, in, in our opinion, if, cause in love, if I have a 16 year old son, 15 year old son, I've had four about to have five. I'm not going to say, yeah, go ahead and have a baby. I'm right. a, my warnings and how I tell him to approach life is going to be a certain way. Right. If you, whatever you end up doing, we going to handle it, but it's going to be in love. Like, yeah. what and he let was me doing, just also say yes. that there is a, this is a money. This is this is this is economics. Like, mm-hmm. there's money attached to black bodies pre- creating more black bodies because at the end of the day, black bodies are going to be employed. the The goal of this country is that black bodies are going to be employed in the lower paid jobs. Black mm-hmm. bodies are then going to be housed in the prison system, which is a highly competitive, high profit industry. Right? Mm-hmm. Black bodies are going to be the people who built this country. Um, still for free. So there is a commodity. Black bodies are a commodity. So mm-hmm. it's almost like Don Lemon is saying, yeah, well, 72% of, you know, babies that are born, they're born to unwed women. You think that they don't, the government system is not say, playing a numbers game and being like, oh, what percentage of those babies is going to be ours at the end of the day? Ours How much money can I make off this child at the yeah. end of the day? Please miss me with, you know, the rationalization that we shouldn't procreate because it happens. Yep. And that's not to even factor in the amount of fathers who don't live with their kids, but are active and CDC released studies saying that we are the most active. How about that? Yes. We don't hear it. Right. He's not celebrating that fact. There have been multiple studies, Harvard studies, Stanford Mm. studies, CDC studies, that black fathers are the number one engaged, involved, and present, whether they live with the child or not, in their children's lives. Hmm. Regardless of what a court order says, regardless of what, how much child support you got to pay, they are the most active in their children's lives. Yep, so so for Donald Lemon being a... No, go ahead, go ahead. No, we have to balance like the good and bad of the situations that we find ourselves in. And I don't, I, I just find, figure that black folks, we make a dollar out of 15 cents. We make mm-hmm. it work. We make yep. lemonade out of lemons. We make it work. 
And you got damn right. And for Don Lemon to be a person of his stature, and I know these shows are produced, y'all. I'm not stupid. I know there's a lot of information being fed to people. I know there's an agenda a lot of times. But being that you have access to all this information, the fact that you ignore certain things makes it really untrustworthy. It makes it yeah. seem like you're having a slanted conversation. You feel me? So Absolutely. on to the next topic. Now, Sonia, Twitter erupted this week at a video of a controversial Georgia con congresswoman touting the idea Ooh. that black people should be proud when they see statues of Confederate leaders. The elected official says that these markers should remind African-Americans of how far their people have come. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene released a video on social media with her thoughts about removing Confederate monuments and statues, stating that because they are historical, they have value. So how, <laughs> that's so that's so goddamn funny to me. So how do you feel about that? So did we see, see all these Confederate monuments face. around our country, knowing damn well this is like uh, what you say? I said you see the look oh. on my face, so, like Marjorie Taylor Green is. <laughs> she is she is the woman from back in the eighteen hundreds who was like, kill a nigger a day. Hang them and, and, and throw them their asses in the street. She is th the equivalent to that. She is equivalent Man. to the the white woman who screams rape. She is mm -hmm. equivalent to the message that was sent around this country to make sure that we went into a civil war. She also said this week that the red states should dis um, divorce themselves from the white, the um, blue states. And mm -hmm. if a person was to move into a red state that they can't vote for five years, Marjorie Taylor Greene is an ass-backwards country bumpkin who has no, her, she does not have her, like, she doesn't have her pulse on what the needs are of this country. Mm -hmm. And even if she were to ask the people who are constituents in the, the state that she represents, poor white people would see that there's some ass-backwardness in her message. Because mm. at the end of the day, if we decide, like, I, the reason that there's an attack on Black voters and the Black community so heavily when it comes to um, voting and politics is because they recognize the power. We have the highest percentage of voting block in this country. Mm. And so with that being said, we cannot be discounted. But what they will try to do is gerrymander us. What they will try to do is redline us and change them district lines. What they will try to do is hinder us from voting. Mm -hmm. And so this is just another scheme. This is more propaganda that goes yep. in line with make America great again. It's the mm -hmm. old notion of we got to go back to. And so when we're talking about these monuments in particular, if we're going to talk about monuments, then we got to talk about black history because we got to talk about, talk about the, the get back. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we can't have it both ways, Marjorie Taylor Greene. If we're going to talk about um, Lee and, and his Confederate army, we need to be talking about Nat Turner when he was rising up and saying, I'm going to kill these mofos if they come at me one more time and I'm going to get all my brethren to, to kill them too. Yeah. We have to, it has to be balanced. Yeah. And she's not doing that. And so, no, we don't need Confederate monuments. As a matter of fact, there the history if it's told correctly think about russia think about hitler think about um the time of the holocaust they don't celebrate the heroes that were destroying their culture 
They don't celebrate the people who were in these positions of power that were destroying people's lives. Mm -hmm. So we have to take a, a page out of somebody else's history book and say, this is not humane for the for the love of humanity. We cannot continue to go down this cycle because it's going to lead us back to the same results that we've already experienced. Yeah. And this shit is a slap in the face. So when you look at the history of the dudes on the monuments, these were treacherous. These, uh, these were treacherous men, everybody. These men terrorized and killed people and they fucking lost. Yes. These are the losers. What kind of arrogance? Why are we celebrating that? the losers? What Where kind of arrogance is that to do that? And then one set of monuments came out in the 1800s, I think, early 1900s. And then when civil rights struggle came and we began to get our shit together a little bit and it began to go in the right direction, they put up more monuments. So this to is remind us, though. Why did they yeah. do that? It was a reminder. Y'all niggas think y'all got something in this world, but let us remind you when we had our foot on your neck. Let us remind you when we used to hang you from trees. Let us remind you that them black clothes and them Jim Crow laws is something that are still on the books to this day. Mm -hmm. Every municipality all over this country and every state still has old laws that are perpetuating white supremacy and making sure that the losers are celebrated. Yep, and this... These laws, these monuments, all of this is like the antithesis to a white shooter. This is this is Absolutely. like heroism. This is like putting him in a position mentally where he feel like, okay, I should be doing this. Like we don't realize this. And Donald Trump and a, well, so many presidents have played into the propaganda of yes. racism and at the cost of real people's lives, though. You see, because Don Lemon got this punk ass list about what black people need to fix. Create the white list. Right. If you create the white list tomorrow, you won't have a job, bro. Because not only will the white he not list, have a job, he won't the the he will be erased. There'll like be no his need for significance. Him. The think about the 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 people who do watch Don Lemon, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And the folks who are connoisseurs of that TV, that network. They don't look like us. Mm -mm. We ain't getting mm -hmm. our news from there. Yeah. So you're playing to a constituency, but you, you, you're doing it dirty Yeah. because you kind of look like us. So they make sure you're going to be the one to say the list to fix the black community. Yeah. They're not going to let your white co-host do it. They're going to let your ass do it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But that's horrible. And this lady is tone deaf, and it it's just, it it speaks to the mentality of a lot of white people. And just to, and just think, she has a small amount of power. She's in politics. This motherfucker can make decisions. She, she can make decisions. <laughs> she can make. We we have a person with this mentality yeah. that can make decisions. That's amazing, right? So yeah. She on some bullshit, and we know it. And yes, all the monuments should be to if okay, leave it up. Put one of Mansa Musa right next to it. Right. Let's go, let's go tit for tat then. Okay. Right. Let's put a statue of all the inventors that made everything. Y'all can't because shit, all y'all invented was the damn patent office <laughs> to steal it and take credit and capitalize off of and profit. Yes. You're damn right. You're damn right. All right. Last news story before we get to our black facts for today. Last news story. So in Denver, I want to read this to y'all because COINTELPRO is something that took place in the 60s. 
And black people have always argued me down when I've written articles about black people in the civil rights struggle, in the black movements who've been bombed by the government. All these different things have happened. Everybody tells me, hey, man, that's the past. That, that, that don't happen no more, right? Well, a podcast was released where, where a journalist named Trevor Arison, uh, uh, Trevor Arison, uh, produced a podcast called Alphabet Boys. In this podcast, he claims that in 2020, a gentleman named, let me get this gentleman's name real quick here. Hold on one second. A gentleman's name, he basically infiltrated the Black Lives Matter movement in Denver. Let me get his name real quick. They hired him. He was an informant. They hired him to infiltrate the Black Lives Matter in, in Denver. Um, let me get his name. Hold on one second. A Adam Windecker. Adam, no, I'm sorry, Michael Adam Windecker III, the second. Michael Adam Windecker II was an FBI agent in 2020. He was sent to be involved in Black Lives Matter's protest in Denver, right? He was, Sonia, he was basically trying to coerce and hire activists to participate in like an assassination even. Now, this is all claimed by this journalist who, in this podcast, he has like 10 episodes where he goes over FBI documents and goes over all the information. So, yeah. so when we see this type of infiltration, being that you are someone um, that had a front row seat to the protest here in Sacramento when Stefan Clark was assassinated, right? Yeah. So talk to me about um, the infiltration of our movements and how it's never went nowhere. It's never gone anywhere. As a matter of fact, when COINTELPRO was um, originated as a tool to destroy our movements, um, we have to really be do our due diligence and know the background to this. Like um, all of our major leaders have been assassinated, have been imprisoned um, or have been erased and taken off of the grid in the name of silencing the movement mm -hmm. um the civil rights movement malcolm x um and the um, um muslim islam nation of islam movement um um fred hampton um which was a spring off of the black panther movement that started in oakland and, and it trickled across the country um and so because i have a degree in history one of the things that i was insisted upon just in, for me to mentally check off why I was intentional about joining the Black Lives Matter movement here locally. And I worked statewide. I worked on national um, initiatives. We had trainings about COINTELPRO. We had trainings to identify people who would just show up on the scene and they were kind of iffy. I, when I, I, I got, this is such a touchy subject for me because I can remember at the height of the Stefan Clark movement that the reporters were coming to myself and other lead figures around this state. And the word on the street was there was this list hmm. and that my name was on this list. Hmm. And it made me feel a certain kind of way because I know for sure that I was traced and trailed by the cops on a regular basis. Like when strange white men who I don't know and I'm walking down the street and they say your name and you looking like, you don't know me. How you know my mm -hmm. name? Mm -hmm. You know, 
um, when folks who you know have been identified as being part of the Proud Boys or these, you know, these racist organizations that are here and they come out the woodworks and they know your name. Mm -hmm. um, when it was, we identified people who were showing up in our crowd who were agitators. They were, we felt like they were paid agitators to distract and disrupt mm -hmm. what we had going on. And we were making movements and strides that were very positive in this community. Like we got, we got local laws changed in this community. We got state laws changed um, that impact police to this day. And so I was a proponent of going to our, our elected officials at the state level and saying every Black Lives chapter around this country needs to be have an investigation as to who were the infiltrators mm -hmm. because we know that they were there. Mm -hmm. We just didn't have the manpower and, um, and, and, and the people in people in positions of power to really dig into and say, this is true. And this mm -hmm. is what happened. And so it, it's very critical when you have those provocateurs who show up and they just are, they, they, they distract and they yeah. disrupt. And the they disrupt. Yeah, yeah. And some of them even at they some of them even start the violent portions of it. Yes. Like the 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 young man we've seen in Minnesota, but beyond that, some of them have the rock in their hand and they yes. busting out the window. Yes. They they creating the moment where everybody needs to run a certain direction, right? Yes. So, and this is all really weird to me, Sonia, because we talking about a people for 50, 60 years now, we've been marching and protesting simply to make things fair. Yeah. And the government, instead of using resources to say, you know what, the community this happened in, we're going to put resources into the children of this community right. so things can change. We're going to really right. care about it. We're going to stop arresting their fathers and doing all this nefarious shit. Instead of putting money into that, you want to put money into hiring FBI agents to infiltrate our movements. And like this report was saying, possibly use some of our soldiers to do your dirty work. You know right. what I mean? Right. I mean, think about the number of people who have come out of the woodwork um, who can testify to being turncoats to Malcolm X. Yep. Think about the number of people who were plants in the room that shut down the momentum of the Black Panther Party. We mm -hmm. would not have free breakfast and free lunch programs across this nation had it not been for the Black Panthers. Yep. Like, I mean, when I think about that kind of stuff, when I think about Angela Davis having to defend herself because there was never going to be a lawyer um, willing to put their life on the line, their career on the line to defend her, so she defended herself. Mm. When I think about... Um, my hero sister hero, um, Asada Shakur, who finally got some white folks to help her get to Cuba. Hmm. You know, they find a way to isolate us from the movement. They find a way to stop the movement. They find a way to bankrupt the movement. They mm -hmm. find a way to shape the narrative that uh, uh, um, uh, some rich white man is doing X, Y, and Z to fund the movement. They find a way to say, oh, the leaders of these movements are getting rich off the movement. Mm -hmm. I ain't received a dime from BLM. None of my com um, 
comrades in the movement received the dime for the movement. We were fabulous, beautiful, intelligent human beings who were doing work in our communities before these movements, before these incidences mm. um, took place. And to assert that Black Lives Matter or any other movement for that matter mm. bubbled up off of the Black community is mm. a far fetch from reality. And yeah. we have to be very clear that these provocateurs, that these hired, I call them hired hitmen, because mm -hmm. you are trying to kill the spirit of people who see the cracks in the system. And all we are asking for is change. All we are asking for is equity. All we are asking for is to be treated with dignity and respect. And that's the sad part about it is that y'all going to play a dirty game in order to stop us. But the reality of it is you have never been able to stop us. Yep. So why are we putting all of our eggs in one basket that has holes in the bottom of it? Yep. And it seems like something I was just thinking while you were talking, Sonia, the infiltration of these movements sometimes and outside people being able to gain influence based on their experience and what they were sent to do. I'm thinking, damn, maybe sometimes it works because talking to you and Chris Lodson and a lot of people I'm now connecting with, it's a lot of regular people doing the movement. Yes. This ain't uh FBI trained on all these different innuendos. No, this is regular people who just deciding to stand up and do something. They're not necessarily equipped to notice no. who's going to be an infiltrator. That's why you were saying y'all had meetings on this shit blow my mind because you, now that I think about it, you would have to. Because we had a, yeah. I was, I was blown away. I came in very naive to the fact, and and not naive is the wrong word. I came in very, um, like I know that we have to do this work, and I'm gonna show up to do this work. But are they really gonna fight us from doing this work? Like we heard the stories from back in the day. We were like ah, you know, that's changed. No, hmm. we had a security culture that was on point. Like. For real, for real. When we had meetings, you got to your phone goes in. Turn your phone off. We put it in a basket. We put it in the microwave because we know that our shit was getting tapped. When mm. we have meetings, we are identifying people who are going to be on point for security, and everybody had to be trained in security because what if somebody got caught up by the police or by a provocateur or by and and they had to go and not be present in that position mm -hmm. of security mm -hmm. so somebody had to fill in and we had to have enough allies right white allies or non-melanated allies who would stand up in those moments to be on alert for who doesn't look who looks out of place mm -hmm. who hasn't been here before and mm -hmm. they have to have the guts and the wherewithal, the confidence to approach said individuals and make sure that they legitimately are here and involved in. Um, like part of our security was that if someone wanted to join our chapter, we did background checks on people. Hmm. Like for real, for real. We was not playing with you just showing up and being like, oh, I want to be a part of the movement. Hey, tap on me. No, we ain't no tap you in just because we need bodies. No, it don't work that way because you put you jeopardizing not just me, you jeopardizing my whole household, you jeopardizing my children's safety at this point. So we had a whole, I, I mean, I'm so grateful for what I learned during that time of being associated with BLM. Mm -hmm. But 
it is not surprising because I can remember times before BLM when I was in the streets fighting after Rodney King was beat. I was one of those college students who shut down the Bay Bridge after, you know, the officers were acquitted. So that spirit of fight back, like stand up, fight back, put your fist up, fight back. That's been in me from day one. I don't know, you know, necessarily that it was something that was modeled in front of me. I just mm -hmm. knew that if it wasn't right, it's not right. You yeah, got to fight right. back against what's wrong. Yeah. But I so appreciate the culture of security that I learned during that. Like today, if I'm in a space where I don't, I can, I can pinpoint people in a crowd and be like, that person is that person. Right. And they ain't got the, yeah, no. There you go. There you go. That's wow. That's important. So, cause I was talking to Chris Lodge and my brother, who's in the forefront of the reparations movement, right. which will happen. And he got so many dedicated individuals helping him. Yes. It's like a beautiful thing to see. You know what I mean? But he was, in me, me and his conversations, all the conversations I have, I'm realizing history is now, man. We hear about what happened in the history books about churches being bombed, bombed. Indi individuals being hurt because of this movement. We still in it, though. Yes. So, y'all, this is a new generation. This is a new version of what took place then. I remember, like, in Ferguson, one place that sticks out in my mind. Some of these brothers in Ferguson who was doing immaculate work yeah non-street guys like right. they were in the movement full full throttle these brothers start popping up dead dead and i'm like wait a minute am i to believe that they just he was randomly sitting in his car and was shot no. hell no that's no. Fred hampton in 2018 yes is what we're looking at you see Ferguson what i'm saying is what spawned the movement of security in BLM all over this nation, like we had a convening and all of the leaders were brought into one space and being like, are you experiencing this? Are you experiencing this? Okay, we have a solution because we got folks on the inside. And so remember, we've had conversations about, um, yes, all kin folk ain't skin folk, but we also have to gauge the capacity of people who might not be willing to put their body and their lives on the front line for the movement, but they got inside seats in the state house and in, in these county buildings and they know what's the coming down the pipe. That email is going out to everyone in that office saying, oh, we got this, that we know that this protest mm. is going on and we letting our people off early. So I would get calls because I'm connected on various levels of our city engagement. And so people who trust me would call me on the under under and be like, they letting us off work early today. We know that they are going to close city and county buildings because mm. they heard that y'all about to have a protest. So y'all might want to change y'all location. And mm. so I would be able to give that to my team and be like, we got to do something different. Or what's our backup plan? And we always had a backup plan because mm. we knew that they played dirty in every chapter across this country, not just here in America, but Canada, the UK, um, Australia, all had chapters. And we were like, we're experiencing the same thing. And so we have to be prepared to fight these people who literally want to stop the movement. And if they, if they really are intentional about stopping the movement, that means that there's a potential that they might take, take my life. Man, and that's damn. So having that, that makes sense. Some people we need to be, we need them to be the spook that's set by the door. Yes. You ain't got to ruffle fellers that much. You and you in the inside. Cool. 
shoot me that phone call, player. Yes. But like we always talk about, Sonia, everybody listening to the sound of my voice, you can do something. You can do something. Maybe you don't want to put on the koofy. Maybe you ain't a fighter. Right. Like, I don't want to fight and get all dirty and shit, but I'm in this office and I'm around all this important information. I can share let me, it. Let me drop you something. Right. You know what I mean? Let y'all I can know make a time. donation. I can make a donation. I can, I can have little conversations with people who I know are woke enough who don't look like us, and I can let them know to fight for us. It's lots of ways is, to be a part. Bottom line is, I can be on code. Yes. With my people. Yes. That's all we asking for. You feel me? And to to wrap this conversation up, talk about COINTELPRO, the the intentional disbandment of our movements. And then America has the audacity to have a problem with Crippin' Bloods. Right. How dare you? How dare you? You know why we have Crippin' Bloods? If look, so yeah, let's go there real quick. You don't right? disrupt the black uh you don't disrupt the movements in the 60s, you let the Black Panthers live, you don't kill Martin, you don't kill Ma uh, Malcolm. Imagine the world. No Crippin' Bloods. Imagine the world today. Disciples for them. See, that's the day you would have a whole bunch of disciples for them. So you made sure you tried to perpetuate this thing we got going on so we could start killing each other. So you gave us dope. You gave us guns. You made money a thing. Yes. Gangs wasn't killing each other until the money got in it. Come on now. They wasn't worried about guns until they had that's to protect true. the money. Yeah. So, so y'all some crafty motherfuckers. How dare you? That's How why when I say you? some of these conversations, y'all need to mind y'all business unless you finna cut the check. You can't create the problem and come in like, wait, how can I help? Right. Back no. the fuck up or cut no. the check, goddammit. Yep. That's why reparations is important. So, yeah, black folks, Cointel Pro is still going on. Okay. Yes. They're still recording your phone calls. Black, and I'm, I love educated black men. So, there are black men on YouTube that I listen to, that I take information from, that I know are genuine. Some may not be, right. but I find the ones who are genuine. And Sonia, they always have stories like, the FBI just popped up at my house. I was hearing all of a sudden I'm getting asked questions. We thinking, oh, that's just that don't happen. No, 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 no. See, what you some people need the history to tell them. So when you 60 right. and you read an article about when you was 40, the FBI right. was knocking off all the damn right. black identity extremists, whatever right. they want to call us. Look at this yeah. shit they call us. I was you my name was on that list for Sacramento. Was it Sheriff? Yes, the Sacramento Sheriff's Department had a list of folks who were black extremists. Hmm. And my name was on that list. Mm -hmm. How about that? Black yeah. extremists, meaning black, black folks extremist. that care. <laughs> <laughs> meaning black folks that care. All right. Yeah, so being pro-black. <laughs> being pro-black means we got to get you, meaning you hate white yeah. folks. They, need to, they yeah. need to stop that shit, man. Just because I say I love me, yeah, I'm going to wear this shirt. But right. I don't want to harm you unless you come in with that bullshit, right? right? We can shake hands and be nice, but be respectful, and I will, too. Now, on to the Black Facts. That's it for the news stories and the topic for the day. On to the Black Facts. It's Black History Month. Me and Sonia do this, you know what I mean? And I'm, you know, I like having a partner on the show with, like, the same ideology. I can, like, send her something, and she may have to look it up a little bit, but not really. Because when you end what we do, it's like, these things actually interest you. Yeah. <laughs> and the month yeah. is just a way to kind of talk about it but these things interest you anyway so black history facts for the month today i want to talk about because we know of um the boxing industry in america right the 
perpetual racism that faces boxers. We talk about Mike Tyson, talk about Floyd Mayweather. Those are newer boxers. We talk about, um, um, can't think of another brother name right now, Jack Johnson, right? Mm -hmm. all, mm -hmm. all these are individuals who, because they can knock out white men and show a level of bravado and they're real brute, yeah. America don't like them, right? But before all of them brothers, it was a brother named Tom Molinoff's. Molinoff. They they spell his name several different ways, but right. Tom Molinoff, the more I like his name because they called him the more. Yeah. So Y'all black folks realize more is equivalent to being black. That that's the way they phrase it basically. So by all rights, Thomas Molinoff should have become recognized as the first world boxing champion from the United States. Born in 1784 to parents enslaved by a wealthy Virginia plantation owned by the Mullinux family, Tom was given as his name because of his size and strength. He was selected because Sonia, early in the plantation days, they would have like prize fighting matches yeah. where, the, where the slaves would fight each other. Damn near to death sometimes. Like it was really yes. cool the way they did it. But this brother is a great story because he was able to take these prize fighting engagements he was able to win his freedom, Sonia. So from yeah. prize fighting against other slaves, he was able to win his freedom. He moved to New York, where he engaged in a number of successful prize fights. He eventually went to England because, as we know, you know, America has a grip on a certain type of racism. Yeah. So other countries, even to this day, they don't really see they have racism, but they don't really see us the way it's Americans different. do. Yep. So you're able to go to different countries and get love that you wouldn't get here. So he had a successful boxing career. You know, the brother ended up dying like in England or something like that. But talk about that for a minute. Uh, uh, for a minute. So you're like before all of the great fighters that we're aware of, Muhammad Ali, all of them, we had Tom Molinoff. Yeah. The amazing thing about his story and, and how he was able to buy his freedom is was a revelation of, okay, I see my wealthy Virginia family, right? Mm -hmm. Who's mm -hmm. making money off of me and they slide me a few dollars here, there, right? That I'm able to then bubble that up and save my coins. And so I, I always say that there was there had to there was an ingenious and an ingenuity in black folks during this time. Mm -hmm. And both of those things together are the recipe for success when it comes to entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Like today mm -hmm. I say you have to be ingenious in the idea that you come up with, but you have to have some ingenuity to work around these, cause they're gonna be some potholes. They're gonna be some, some distractions. They're gonna be some extra hoops that you are gonna have to jump through because you're a black mm -hmm. person trying to make money in this country. And so what when I think about him in particular, and especially going back to your who one ended slavery before America did, right? Mm -hmm. But two began to have conversations in not just England, but other European countries, Spain, Italy, um, Ireland. They had conversations about the, their caste system, like really mm -hmm. giving people of color an opportunity to get themselves out of these situations that were similar to slavery or indentured servitude. And so you have not just a person that was born in the early, I'm sorry, the late 1700s, up until the time of a Josephine Baker who left here and went over to England, mm. went over to France to just feel safe. 
right? Mm. To feel mm -hmm. like they can create, feel like they didn't have to go in the back door of something. Mm. And so that's what we have to think about to this day. How can we be connected to the ingenuity and the ingenious of our ancestors in a way that makes sure that we today can be successful? Definitely. And, and individuals like Tom Mullinoff, we have it difficult today. Everybody knows that. We're not going to deny that. We have a long way to go. But their career paths and their decisions was way more life or death. Yeah. Ours can be, yeah. depending on what's going on. But theirs was really life or death. Like, think about for a boxer during a time of immense racism, beating a white man, and this would happen with Jack Johnson too. So, mm -hmm. you know, whooping mm -hmm. a white man's ass, slave uh, uh, people would get hung throughout the country. Yes. There would be a rash of hangings after white people had to watch a black man brutalize a white right. man in the ring. And back then, shit, they would fight 39 rounds. You know what I mean? <laughs> Somebody is gonna be knocked out. We go. Somebody gonna be hurt. Somebody gonna be unconsciously not like real for real for real. And that was one place that boxers. I think a lot of black boxers began to realize. You know what? This is one place I can whoop a white man's ass and right. can't nobody do nothing. See, so you're gonna have to arrest me outside of the ring. You're gonna have to villainize me outside of the ring because we understand our melanin and we're stronger than a lot of people. We're, we're not. Yeah. This isn't like a. A, like a bolsterous thing but this is just science and i think right. early in, in the early days it was probably they were probably marveling at the fact that this individual especially in other countries sonia this individual i thought was a slave i was told he was only good for menial jobs and now i'm watching this man dominate in a boxing ring right that says something you feel me a lot so look him up tom mullinex the more look him up look him up Look them up online. Talk to them. Talk to your kids about them. If you're a boxing fan, I know a lot of brothers out there who could tell me everything about boxing. And right. I appreciate people who who gain certain levels of knowledge about things. But do the history, man. No, yeah. no Jack Johnson. No Tom Mullen. So when you go to a Mayweather fight or a black boxer fight and you see everybody in the arena hoping he lose, even though he's the damn champion, you'll know why. Right, right. <laughs> All right, so. Last individual of the day. When we talk about medicine and uh, science, Black people being physicians, we always speak to how we're the first. We were the first to do this. We were the first to do that. Well, one person who exhibits this actual thing is a brother by the name of Inhotep. M-Hotep. M-Hotep. Mm -hmm. This brother was considered, Sonia, like the first genius in our society. This is in medicine. Mm -hmm. This is in engineering. This is in architecture. He's like one of the most intelligent humans to ever live. Like right. he was, um, his agricultural designs was used in building one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, which is the great pyramid of Egypt. Like some of the great pyramids of Egypt. He's right. designed some, he's created some, the father of medicine, like at, in, during his time of living, he was involved in everything. He can heal you. He could. He can create something to heal you. He could build something for you. Like this is one of the most intricate men that I've heard about in our history, Sonia. Right. He is like not just a not just a genius, but he is one of those folks that you think about 
how could they ever have discounted one where we've come from? Mm -hmm. And then it makes you wonder or it makes you question um, or it makes you angry like it makes me. Y'all motherfuckers knew we were so goddamn smart. And so you tried to go even to our continent and destroy everything mm -hmm. so that there was no evidence that we were as bad as and brilliant as we were. Mm -hmm. And we know that the melanated gene is the dominant gene. And so that's going to transfer even so four or 500 years later, generations removed, there's still this dominant ingenuity and ingeniousness that we carry. Like, I can't stress enough how we make a way out of no way. Like, mm -hmm. yep. this and is this, still a fact to this yep. day. And this brother is brilliant. We're talking a priest, a physician, yes. a writer, an astronomer, mm -hmm. a mathematician, a philosopher. He's like, he encompasses everything that makes us who we are. That's yeah. why I preach. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. He, he yeah. encompasses everything that we say we are today, all the great things that we embody, this was in one man. So when people say, how can Egyptians and black people build pyramids? This is how. This is how. Like this is this is the type of individual and the cold part about it, Sonia, this was probably normal. Like right. he was probably one of thousands of black men at that time who can do all of this because you think about the brain function of a human who can humans that can get together and build like the the beautiful creations, which are the pyramids, and they still be standing today. Absolutely. This speaks to our greatness. Absolutely. When we, when we just, can't really refer to anything white people have built that's still standing today in that magnitude. You know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. And just for some historical background, Egypt was the name that the colonizers have given the area of Kemet. Mm -hmm. Um because they wanted to whitewash the greatness that came out of people who were able to build pyramids, people who were had the universities, people who had created the math mathematics, mm -hmm. people who had several languages and written language, which was not um, um, happening in the caves of Europe. <laughs> I just have to tell the truth about like, we're going to, th there was a, a whitewashing of African history, even to this day where Egyptians don't identify themselves, modern day Egyptians don't identify themselves as part of Africa. Mm -hmm. And if you don't consider yourself part of Africa, then you're not African, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So Kemet, and it, it, what, it's spelled K-M-T or K-E-M-E-T, um, that was the original name of a people who were so brilliant. Um, and like you, to your point, this was every day for everybody who was from that area. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is why we have to recontextualize our traditions and what we believe in, because this country has renamed so much shit. Right. You calling people Indians, you you coming up with all these terms. And this is just you guys getting somewhere when you think you was first and you naming shit. Absolutely. So Imhotep is the antithesis of the same black people who helped build the White House. Like it's the same shit. We yes. that, that type of mind, we we've helped build a lot from our lot. country <laughs> to all the shit you look at that in this country as well. So do your research on Imhotep for this yes. black history month. Teach your kids about them. You got a kid who's struggling in math 
you got a kid who wants to be a scientist or wants to be an astronomer or any of that, refer him to this brother. Yeah. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in to a brand new episode of the Melanated Combo Podcast with me and my girl Sonya. Like I said, in the, man, in a few weeks, y'all, we're going to have the podcast merch. This is just a mock-up of a shirt I created, Melanated Family, because I'm always saying it at the beginning of the show. But we're going to have some shirts that denote the podcast logo. Yeah. I got a couple other designs that's coming. So that'll be coming shortly. I appreciate y'all for tuning in and joining us. So I'm going to tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me and my services at ascribesuccess.com. You know, call us up if you have a question or issue that, you know, you are struggling with in your work community, your school community. Before we leave today, I would be remiss of who I am not to mention Ahmad Aubrey today. Three years ago, three years ago, yes, 2020, he was ran down and, and shot down in Georgia. Um today three years ago mm. um thank god the 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 egotistical white man who was in the second car who was videoing the whole thing that his lawyers say oh here's proof that you were just defending your community put the video out mm -hmm. thank god that the video came out yeah. months a month after he was murdered mm -hmm. and his family kept on saying yeah no yeah no yeah no let's figure out what happened but today three years ago ahmad Aubrey, may he rest um, in heaven and may some of y'all brothers have the courage to go out and run in a white neighborhood tomorrow because of Ahmad Aubrey. Mm -hmm. There we go. That's legit shit right there. The fear of black existence in black bodies. Definitely. Definitely. So RIP to that brother. And we continue to see our brothers perish in this way. And we going to salute them and treat them as ancestors. Now, you know what I mean? And keep the fight going in their name. You feel me? So this is your brother, Harrison. Melanated Combo Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please hit the like button. Subscribe to the Melanated Combo on YouTube. We do this thing every Tuesday and Thursdays. My sister Sonia is on the Thursday show, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us next week. By next week, we'll have those shirts available, too, for everybody if you want to purchase. Thank you for tuning in to another episode, y'all. We out.